0: Hello, and welcome to the shiny new object podcast. This is a podcast about marketing innovation. What we do is look at the latest marketing technology and try and make sense of it for agencies and their brands. And I interview some of the most interesting people in the business about what their favorite shiny new object is, how it works, what it's about, and what it's going to be in the future, and how you can actually practically apply it. And in this episode, I am interviewing Amy Keane, who is the Global Head of Strategic Innovation at Starcom, as well as being an author of kids' books, which we'll get onto. We'll talk about Quite surreal things like her pet chimp, Margaret. Uh, We'll get onto food banks. We'll get rudely interrupted by a fire alarm. Uh, We'll cover Pokemon Go uh, apps that make you work out who is single in the room and who is rich. We'll talk about the beauty industry and pharma. Um, And you might have guessed it that Amy's shiny new object is, in fact, augmented reality. So that's what we're going to get into. But before we do that, I just want to say thanks to the guys my hosts at Platform360, who are giving me the space and time to record this podcast. So that's great. Thanks to you guys. And over to Amy. Hi, Amy. How are you?
1: I'm very good, thanks, Tom. Very good. Very happy to be here. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Why did you say it like a kid's TV? <laughs> I
1: thought that was how you speak on podcasts.
0: <laughs> um, so you are on your day off,
1: I am, yes
0: uh, So you work four days a week for Starcom
1: uh, Yes, Starcom were very nice and they allowed me to work four days a week when I was negotiating my package. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so I've often wondered about that, and I'm sure there'll be people listening to this who thought, "Oh no, you wangle four days a week." Was that? Did you start with that, or was that something that you had to kind of slip in later?
1: I started. I started with three. Oh, <laughs> they were like. Um, yeah, you're going to need to grow up a bit <laughs> and understand that working three days a week is going to have no impact on our business whatsoever. <laughs> but I started with three because I said, obviously, I've got lots of other stuff going on. Um, I do lots of writing and things. Um <clears throat> So we negotiated, and they said, we're very, very happy for you to work four days a week, which is lovely.
0: And that's growing up in their
1: eyes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, So tell me about the writing. You've finished your first book, which is going to be published in... October. October.
1: So my first book is called uh, The Little Girl Who Gave Zero Fucks, and it's a modern feminist fairy tale written in poetry aimed at... 13 year olds plus so adults as well that's all about kind of bravery how to be brave in everyday life
0: and you did that through a publishing tool online maybe what a, it was called it's,
1: they're, they're an actual publisher so they're called unbound and um they help you to crowdfund the upfront costs um of publishing so the idea is or the premise is that mainstream publishing is very risk averse Um, it's all celebrity biographies and like chosen one stories and you know shit like that Um, there's what they realised was that there wasn't a huge amount of diversity in terms of story or author in publishing nowadays so that's what they tend to go for so they unbound work with either controversial or niche titles or working class authors or Asian authors or you know they like to make sure that there's a real Oh, sorry is that your phone ringing (laughs)
0: That might be my phone ringing. That's so how relentlessly professional I
1: yeah.
0: am. Thank you for pointing that out. And, mm. Sorry, Karen. So, uh, So it's a bit like Kickstarter for books.
1: Yes, it's exactly like Kickstarter for books. And what they do, so they'll give you like an upfront fee which covers um, the initial print run, copy editing, proofing, design, like all this stuff that um, a traditional publisher would have to invest in upfront. Basically, they work with you to crowdfund to cover those costs and the point of the crowdfunding is that if you can prove that you'll sell a certain amount um, then it kind of holds good stead for the future
0: Um, so other than me sharing it on my Facebook page why are there so many
1: flies in this fucking (laughs) office
0: I don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah. Moving on. So yeah. So apart from me sharing it on Facebook, which is obviously I was the key influencer in your marketing strategy. Yeah. How how, how quickly did you did you meet your target?
1: Um, I had a very high target, higher than most other people. Because Can you tell
0: I, me what it was. Or was that top secret?
1: Um, it was in it was in double fit. It was in more between,
0: than ten pounds. <laughs>
1: between ten and fifteen. No shit. It was about sixteen grams. Okay.
0: Wow, And you had to raise that, otherwise, the book wouldn't happen at all. Yeah.
1: So. so, the reason why mine was quite high is because I refused to have an e book because I hate them. And um, I refused to have a paperback because I wanted it to be something that, you know, was shiny and strong and sat on people's coffee tables. Um, and I crowdfunded it in 20 days, which is apparently one of the, the fastest.
0: Ah, it's brilliant. And, yeah. and so how did you manage to do that? Um, obviously, great concept, and it looks really cool as well. Who did the design? I mean?
1: uh, a brilliant woman called Jess Milton.
0: And so where <clears> did all of the, your funding come from? Was it kind of a few people did a lot of it? or of
1: um, So we had about Lordy, almost a 1,000 people bought the book. Um, a lot of those, I'd say about 40, 40% of those I didn't know. Interestingly, I don't know if I told you this, the um, gender split was like 60-40. So 60% women, 40% men, which I think is lovely. Like lo- Loads of men bought it for themselves and for their daughters. Yeah. And that was a lot of the feedback that I got. Um, men were really, really positive about it. Um, in order to crowdfund it, so I launched a Facebook page about a month prior, started making little cartoons and stuff, writing little poems just to build up a fan base. Um and did a shitload of PR while I was doing it. So I wrote loads of comment pieces, um, wrote loads of... A, a few bloggers reviewed it. Like, I was relentless. Like, I didn't sleep for 20 days.
0: Well, you did 20 days' work. <laughs> you grew <laughs> up. <laughs> sure you days off with... in
1: that 20 yeah. days. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and, and now you've, you've moved on <clears throat> to... You're writing... Uh, and, uh, another book, an, yes. adult, an adult book? Would you? No, <laughs> yeah.
1: Adult I mean, it's not porn. <laughs> it's not erotica. <laughs> it's <an> next time. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I'm writing a, a novel about um, a period when I went to Kenya um, quite naively to volunteer, and my book is about the volunteerism industry, which is very exploitative and I would argue very unethical. Didn't realise that till I got there. <laughs> right. Um. Okay. Well,
0: this is what this is what's fascinating about you that you've done so many different things <clears> and <throat> continue to do so many different things. So you're a pub, almost published author writing in your second book, and you you head up innovation at Starcom globally. Yes. So what in in a couple of minutes? What does that job entail?
1: Um, so it's head of. So they threw in another word, um, which I now to begin to begin with I thought it was wanky now I think it's absolutely essential um which is strategic innovation head of strategic global head of strategic innovation um and I think that's really important because having worked in innovation for a really really long time now um I realise I've got this uh, I like to say that innovation shouldn't be sexy um And I absolutely stand by that. And it's a nice little soundbite to have. What do you mean Because some of the most powerful, sort of future-proofing, beneficial innovation, you can't even see. So it's stuff relating to insights and process and methodologies and data collection and data use. Um, There isn't, like, a jazz hands... You know, we did this VR, We did a pop up in Shoreditch with this VR activation, and 25 people saw it. Um, that is innovation, of course, but I, I I would argue that that's only a very small part of um, <clears throat> how agencies are supposed to help their clients get better.
0: Is it, yeah, I I agree with that. I think there's a there's a lack of a word in the English language that sits between innovation and cool shit. Because what Ooh. you just described is like, you know, the pop-up VR thing in yeah. Trafalgar Square. That's cool shit. It's <clears> technology. It's the new shiny yeah. object, right? Yeah, yeah. But it, real innovation is, I think, is better described as business transformation, right? Yeah, you know, yeah, yep, yep. trying to change your business from one thing to another, <laughs> yeah. which is, I think, not the responsibility of the marketing department and very difficult for the agency innovation lead or whatever to affect that change. yeah. Right, well, let's go on.
1: With <laughs> oh, did you want oh, me to answer? No, no I agree no, with no, you.
0: Just we're, we're it
1: depends. Well, the thing that's the thing is that um, I think, especially with innovation, it's all about personalities and it's all about. I think if you if you bundled loads of heads of innovation together, put them in a room, what would you do? What would you do with them?
0: <laughs> well, I, I didn't, have you ever, never been to Innovation Social? No, it's a quarterly meet up for, for just that. And they <clears throat> listen to each other talk about innovation, which is. Not
1: <laughs> if for some reason, like a terrorist, decided to <laughs> turn that into a hostage situation, how do you think that they'd use innovative methods to get out? <laughs>
0: Question for you: What impact would that have <clears throat> on the bottom line of the marketing and advertising industry?
1: If there was like a Munich, uh...
0: yeah. <laughs> It's just gone wildly it, off topic.
1: <laughs> what impact would it have?
0: If all the innovation directors could would couldn't work for a year. There would, would be
1: a dearth of content on LinkedIn. Really? <laughs> there would be a dearth of smug content on LinkedIn and other people would have to fill that gaping hole.
0: <laughs> right, so <clears throat> we chatted through some questions before and based on that answer... Yeah. And one of the questions was, "What is what is the the thing that you hear most <coughs> most often in our industry that you think is misleading advice or or not useful?"
1: Um, it's actually on the subject of innovation, and it's something that's been.
0: Um... Was that your phone?
1: I had it on silent. It was just vibrating. Uh, something that I've all of a sudden decided makes me angry is the 70 rule. Go on. Um, so I think years ago, it was something that Coke used and they used to talk about yeah. it. And the um, thinking is that 70% of your budget is doing stuff that's tried and tested, that, you know, works for your business, for your brand. 20% is doing old stuff, but in new ways. 10% is pure experimentation of your budget. Yeah. 10% of your budget. Yeah, yeah. I think that... As an approach, so, so everyone started doing it now. Everyone started talking about it. Yeah, well, we follow the seventy twenty ten. Um, I think it's it doesn't it makes no sense because why would you approach innovation is supposed to be solving problems? So why would you approach it from a budget perspective? Because you don't know that ten percent of your budget is going to solve the problem that you have. So setting parameters that are purely based on the money that's available doesn't link up with the thing that you're trying to do at the end of it
0: that's true I, but in reality it's probably just a way of selling it into finance you know if you go to a ceo and go well our approach to marketing is 720 it's really easy to buy right really you yeah. do understand but
1: or <clears throat> if it was strategic innovation or business transformation as you were saying you, you might hope that the client would be able to go to finance and say, we've identified this problem, our agency has done the due diligence and anticipate that we will, over the next 12 months, make X percent more money as a result of solving this problem, which is a far more rigorous way to approach innovation, if money is the thing that you want to make out of it.
0: Um, so... What... Do, you, do you agree? Do I agree? <laughs> it's, I, I, my issue with it is that you can get sort of easily dragged down the innovation wormhole, where you're talking it. It's such kind of high level that yeah. nothing's kind of actually, actually <laughs> practical. Um, as soon as you put the word innovation in a sentence, it yeah. almost sort of like you know sets the, the cat amongst the pigeons, and it's, I think it's it's. You, uh, in our in our profession, you have to constantly rein yourself in um, because otherwise you never get anything done. Yeah. Um, so a couple of uh, specific questions. Yeah. Um, so you write books. I assume you also read books. Sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes. Um, what? So what are the what are the books? Sorry about this clapping, everyone. There are lit. We're <laughs> listening. <literally> lit- <laughs> we There's flies. There's so
1: many flies everywhere, little ones.
0: Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, mm. So what are, the, what are the marketing books that you recommend most often?
1: Um, there's a book by Byron Sharp. Only joking. <laughs> That's what everyone else is going to say. That is um, true. Uh, so I'm not sure whether it's a, it's a book that um, is read by lots of marketing professionals and it's the book that I'd recommend um, because it helps you learn how to behave in a team, in the office, in, in work, which is The Chimp Paradox. Ah,
0: uh, yes. Do you know I've, it? I've, I have, have you read, read it? The Chimp Paradox. Can you <clears throat> give us a quick overview?
1: So it's written... Sorry, we well, such a tickly cough today. Let me just cough before I... <clears throat> so it's written by a sports psychologist and he trained Bradley Wiggins and Jessica Ennis, is that...? Um, loads of people in the Olympics that was in the UK Um, and he trained them and obviously within that Olympics they were incredibly successful Um, and his approach is, it's sports psychology but it's actually kind of based on many many other theories like Freudian um, the Freudian theory for example but lots of other neurological kind of stances that suggest that our brain is made up of an, an emotional bit, a rational bit a rational bit and a bit that just makes sure we keep breathing and yeah. make sure we keep blinking and sleep and stuff um, and within the chimp paradox the author calls the emotional part of your brain the chimp and the whole book is about learning to train your chimp um, and the idea is that when data goes into your brain it goes to your chimp first and your chimp is irrational yeah. and emotional and instinctive and and <laughs> Um, and your chimp will process information which is why sometimes you react you fly off the handle or you overreact or you get really emotional without thinking things through
0: so how have you, how have you used that in your work? Um, you said it helps you work better with people so.
1: it does, yes so the first thing that they say to you in the book is um, to name your chimp because when you name, name, your chimp. Yeah, when you name your chimp it makes it easier to train and to have a handle on and so my the name of my chimp is margaret and i am very open with my co-workers about my chimp and the name of my chimp and sometimes
0: you tell other people about margaret yeah
1: of course sometimes i'll say sorry margaret's having a little run around (laughs) at the moment. So
0: let me just Ignore
1: her. Let me just get that 100% <laughs> straight in my head.
0: So you're having a meeting with someone, you'll kick off about
1: something <laughs> no. and then you'll say,
0: sorry everyone,
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Margaret took over. Like no. as if you're referring to your, yourself in the third person as a monkey <laughs> called Margaret.
1: That's obviously not how it works. <laughs> <laughs> we just, we have a bit of sorry I clapped again because there was a fly that's That's now dead on my hand um I think it's just important to be very honest with your colleagues and um, explain to them sometimes. Oh, actually, I think I did overreact in that situation, or actually, maybe let's think about it some more because our initial responses to this idea um, might not be might be too emotional or what have you. Um, also, one of the things um, a whole section of the book is about public speaking, and did you know? That the reason why... I doubt you get nervous when you're about to do a, a, sh- a gig. Um, but I do. <clears throat> and apparently there's an evolutionary reason for why people get so nervous. Like, you you know, your heart pounds and you're just like, this is the worst thing ever. And you can't even imagine. You can't even imagine being able to pull it off because you're so fucking nervous. But apparently there's an evolutionary reason because years ago on the Savannah... Um, if all eyes were on you, it meant you were about to be attacked. And so that's why humans behave in that way. But it's totally irrational, it's completely irrational. But part of this book helps you to understand that you're being irrational and you just need to shut off that emotional part of your brain. Um, And that's helped me loads.
0: So I read the book and I went through that process of <laughs> taming my chimp. As a, What's a, his name? I, well, I, I clearly didn't get to, that far into the book. I absolutely. It's not the didn't second chapter,
1: Tom. <laughs> Did you read the first few pages and were like, "Yeah, yeah, got it, got it, got it"? Yep, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I
0: think that's true of most business books, in fairness. But um, <laughs> what I used to do was in certain meetings, in uh, like my calendar, I'd write in like brackets, "chimp" or like like star. See, so whenever I was going into a meeting, I, I would sort of prepare myself to go, like, someone's gonna fucking weird me out here, so I, <laughs> I need to prepare. But But people would just go, Tom, what does that mean in your invite that you've sent me with a chimp written into it? And I was like, oh. um, but uh, so, so that's that's the book you you kind of recommend the most, so, um, so put a slightly different spin on it so if you were advising someone who was recently graduated or looking to move across into the marketing advertising industry, what advice would you give
1: them? Um, Get over yourself (laughs) Um, No, it's so so. um, it's a really important it was a piece of advice that I was given really early on in my career to get over yourself to get over myself. And I think it's really, really good advice because... um, Can
0: you qualify what that means? I
1: I will. Um, I think it's really important... Confidence is amazing, obviously. However, I think it's really, really important to always have an air of humility to always 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 keep learning like always keep learning always make sure you read lots of different sources always make sure you question yourself um you have some self-awareness like all of those traits it's easy when you start to work in the media industry and you start to build up maybe you start to gain some traction and you start to um you have like a few successful projects and you become a bit more popular it's really easy to get carried away with yourself and that's i'm not joking now that's genuine advice um,
0: but that isn't that once someone's in the industry. So, what, <clears> what about someone who's like you know, literally they've moved to London, they're staying with their uncle or something, and they they really want to work for an agency. They're really enthused about working for brands. Yeah. How do you get in? How do you how do you break through the you know the thousands of other people that all want to be on the um, the Starcom Grad Scheme.
1: Um. Yeah. I think it's... Well, okay, in terms of... So I used to lecture at Bournemouth University, so I used to uh, deal with all of these young people looking to enter the industry. Um, And the best piece of advice I could give them was be active on Twitter. It's really, really simple. Be active on Twitter, have a blog, have an opinion... um, talk to people, kind of get yourself heard, go to lots of events, like, I mean that's really simple. Um, I used to get also, I was more inclined to give internships to students that sent me really nice letters, like really interesting letters or like you know creative ways of um, uh, applying for internships even if they weren't advertised.
0: Yeah, I think for me, the creativity is the, is the main tool. Like, I hate TVs. I think it's the, the most unimaginative way of, of mm. selling your skill set. Yeah. And fundamentally, our industry is about selling, right?
1: Yeah.
0: So if you can't sell yourself, then what chance have you got of representing a brand? So.
1: Did you see the Sprite, the Sprite guy? There was no. a guy. Um, I mean, this is a bit OTT, but there was a guy who wanted to be a copy a copywriter, who recorded an entire music video, saying that he wanted to work for Sprite.
0: Wow! And did he get the job? Yeah, he got a job oh, at wow.
1: Widen and Kennedy.
0: So, uh, <coughs> I, I mean, we we are social. Sure they have the uh, and uh, every year have a uh, take one or two grads on. Yeah, and there's like. I think you know, two thousand people get down to twenty. You come in for a day and go around all the departments. And uh, one guy came across from Australia, and he, and he didn't get the job. And he no. T- and you think, like it must be quite intimidating, though. Have you got to make a sprite video, or you've got to fly from Australia? You know, it's kind of it's it's a tough one. Do you so, not
1: have we Are social in Australia?
0: Uh, we do. But uh, he, would, he wanted to <laughs> he wanted to work with me for some reason. I don't
1: know. No, no, I, <laughs> did. I totally made that. Up.
0: That'll be ridiculous. So
1: I hope he combined it with a holiday. Like he uh, I'm pretty
0: sure he had other meetings.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, so slight different tack. If you had a digital media budget of ten million pounds to get any message out there, what would it be? You don't have to give me a full media layout, but just, you know, what, <laughs>
1: what, would,
0: the, what would the message You don't be? want to
1: plan? Well, you don't want to... N- knock yourself out. <clears throat> um, oh, you're going to hate this, because it's political. Come on, then. Ah, Well, one of the things that I've noticed, you know... Um, particularly over the the last few months because Starcom's really Starcom's excellent because we do all these thought leadership pieces. I am going somewhere with this on like the future of food and the future of retail and the future of things in real life that actually agencies and brands need to be aware of. <clears throat> and what I realise every single time we look at the future of X, Y, or Z, yeah. we're always talking about the future of the middle class. Yeah. <laughs> Because yeah. it's the future of people that have a certain amount of disposable income or, you know, yeah. will want a talking fridge. Um, and so I've been thinking a lot recently about how, just just about inequality, but not gender inequality per se, but about kind of um, financial inequality. And I think I would, if I had any, that amount of money, I would do um, a big promotional push to get people to... Well, maybe I'd give that money to charity, Tom, because it's a bit of a waste. But if I, if I, if there were, for some reason, this was a weird thing where there were rules and I had to do it, I would promote... I would ask people to give... Um, uh, decent food to food banks because um, when we did... To get that smirk off your face get that smoke off your face and then we finish the answer <laughs> when we did um, a project on the future of food I looked at all the stats for food banks and like visits to food banks in the UK have like tripled or something in the last year and a third of those visits are kids and it's actually a huge horrible issue in our country that not enough people are talking about and not enough people are aware of um, and the problem is that wonderful people donate food to food banks but it's all beige like it's pasta and it's rice and it's super noodles and that isn't a decent diet for anybody um
0: so your message would be to support food banks in a more healthy way yeah and do you is a and all right so say someone's listening to this and i think oh that's a great idea how would they do that do you have a someone i could link to in, in the notes uh there's
1: a yeah there, there's a website that lists everybody's um local food banks um it sounds like a really i mean it's the thing is it's 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 really really important like social issues like that everything's getting so clouded at the moment sorry i'm totally digressing no, 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 no. but everything the 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 whole kind of political cultural narrative is so dominated by Jeremy Corbyn being a Russian spy or Theresa May being a dick or whatever. It's just about personality politics and there's a huge amount of social issues that because everyone's fighting and everyone's talking shit um, there's a huge amount of social issues that aren't getting the attention they deserve. Um, COI. Do you remember years ago the COI used to have so much more money. They used to do like anti-drugs yeah, yeah. ads. Like, there were so many more ads on TV about genuine social issues and now you just don't you
0: don't see it that much anymore I don't think no it's true I mean I think one of the things that really drives me up the wall certainly around in the innovation space like Elon Musk putting a, a car in space yeah or someone creating a smartwatch, it's not the real problem
1: <laughs> and I
0: think your point about the everyone thinking about the future of the middle class is absolutely bang oh they understand that they have shareholders and targets and yeah. all the rest of it but like we didn't we did, really, did not need smartwatches. We didn't need oh. Amazon Echoes. However, you've got how many million people that have a terrible diet and would absolutely need our support. Yeah. And that, and I think it's a bit sad the way that our heroes in Western middle class society are the people who do a billion dollar exit. That that is that is seen as success. So yeah. He sold his startup for. Forty million quid. Therefore, he he's in some kind of elite. But there's no measure of well, what did he do with that forty million
1: yeah, quid? Yeah. Yeah. Where did it go? Yeah.
0: Um Right. Okay. So, thank you for sharing all that stuff. So, this is the shiny new object podcast. We've we've talked about a few innovation bits. Yeah. Um, but guests on this podcast come and talk <laughs> about their favorite bit of new tech and tell the audience what's good about it, and I will try and. Uh, take the role of the, the sceptical marketer in that situation. Um, What's his it- name? <laughs> Margaret. <laughs> <laughs> so your shiny new object is augmented reality. Tears. is. First question, what is it?
1: Augmented reality is... Um, Uh, the process of using mobile technology or a mobile lens to add an additional layer onto what you see in real life so most often it will um, uh, occur through a mobile phone and via your mobile phone you can see some kind of creative object or something overlaid onto the real life um, Mm -hmm. setting
0: so give me an example of a a mainstream use of this
1: Uh, uh, well, the obvious one is Pokemon, Pokemon Go. Yeah. Uh, which was, I mean, that's the perfect example because everybody obviously used their phones to look around the, the the look at the real world around them and the augmented reality overlaid these weird little characters. I mean, I, I never played it, Tom. You I'm never honest. played it. No, you
0: never played.
1: It. I was in um, I was in Asia at the time <laughs> 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 when it was big, and uh, Asia was one of the last continents to get it and uh, there was a huge delay between like Singapore and Vietnam and um, I remember I was in South Korea when it launched and oh my god I have never seen such a frenzy of people losing their shit than when I was in South Korea when Pokemon Go launched like just groups of just like massive crowds of people just running from one place to the next like screaming at each other I I think it was Pokemon Go (laughs) I I assumed it was
0: (laughs) yeah because I I, well back to your the, the, the days when the COI had money I used to work for an agency that survived almost entirely on that and there was a guy at work who invented a AR business card. So you point your phone at a business yeah. card, and the and the and the thing happened. And really, like nothing happened in AR until like a few years ago. So, um, Pokemon Go obviously massively successful. Yeah. Uh, Facebook uh, filters and so on hugely <clears throat> successful. So why do you care about it? Why are you so interested in it in, for your job?
1: Um, so so I have a. I have a love-hate relationship with augmented reality because, for as long as I can remember, I've been a massive advocate because I've, I've seen how... Because I, I, I genuinely think, is it... Is it um... that,
0: that is the uh, innovation alarm. <laughs>
1: it's the bullshit detector. <laughs>
0: Right, um, Tom, to what's, fr- <laughs> What, in
1: your opinion, what is the most boring fruit?
0: Uh, bananas, don't really taste anything. Anyway, moving
1: on. They only taste a banana. Banana is the strongest tasting of all the fruits. If you have a smoothie with banana in it, all you can taste is banana.
0: I, I'm not getting into this. <laughs> we, we, we've we finally got onto some valuable content. <laughs> I'm not going to derail us onto uh, the benefits of different fruits, different podcasts. <laughs> Right, so you have a love-hate relationship with AR.
1: I have a love-hate relationship with augmented reality because I can see I feel like I, can, I feel like you know like the kid in a the kid in a pol- poltergeist film. Yeah. That's like But guys, guys, no, there's a poll Guys, guys, I can see it. And everyone else, no one else believes him. Yeah. He's like, but it's so obvious. I feel like that kid. I hope no one dies. (laughs) (laughs) Just in general. Um, Because I can, I feel like... There's so much potential for augmented reality, from an entertainment perspective, but from a health perspective as well, a psychological perspective. It could be so amazing, and it could literally change lives. I do actually believe that, but I feel like um, many of the major players, we might be, we might be at a tipping point. But I feel like until now, there's been. Um, I don't think there's been enough consumer education uh, and I don't think the industry has realised its potential and that frustrates me, that frustrates me very much because I've constantly been trying to sell it into clients for like the past eight years. So
0: what is is stopping that? Is it because a lot of... AR experiences, if not all, depend on some form of download. So to download a app for you to be marketed yeah. to is completely fraught with problems. Yeah. But then the other option is to use augmented reality within an existing app, so a, a yeah. Facebook or Instagram where mm-hmm. that that tech has already been downloaded. Yeah. So what what's stopping it working for brands in 2018?
1: Um <clears throat> Just on your point, I think one of the... So so since maybe like 2011, the major player, the kind of self-proclaimed major player within the AR industry has been Blipper, um, And by all accounts, that's an amazing bundle of technology that they now call visual search. I don't even know if they call it AR yeah. as they used to. And I think... Um, there's a responsibility in any market, the leader has a responsibility to educate consumers and to drive the industry. Um, and I don't believe that Blipper have done a particularly good job of educating consumers and making them crave. AR technology or AR experiences Um, I think from an industry point of view which is a shame I think from an industry point of view there's a few barriers it's it's very labour intensive Um, even Snapchat filters are pretty labour intensive to create they they take a while to create Um, making some kind of AR experience will cost a lot of money inevitably Um, and then you have to think about your reach so that's been another hurdle, particularly with Blipper, where you'd par- historically the opportunity was to partner with them and uh, you could use the, say you were a cereal brand, Kellogg's or someone, um, you could make your cereal box um, AR ready and you could scan the box and then Snap, Crackle and Pop would jump out and do a little dance. But then you had to find some way over and above your packaging to promote the fact that that was a thing. And that's where it always fell down. Um, Snapchat is the more recent kind of modern version of AR. Obviously, it's limited to your face. Um, but that's that kind of counteracts some of the previous challenges because with Snapchat, you have creative and you can buy reach as well. Um, and every, every campaign I've done with Snapchat where we've had a filter or a lens has been crazily effective from an engagement perspective so what how long have I been talking for it feels like I've been <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember well, we met last Tuesday <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's like you literally blacked out from your from your own voice so if so yeah. as you say it's expensive it's bespoke they're usually built from the ground up to a degree yeah. it, why would a brand invest in augmented reality <coughs> when they could just do a great video and then they don't have any of those issues? You can serve it on any platform and it's cheaper the turnarounds. What, what is the what? What does AR have that video doesn't?
1: So, um, if you look at so all anybody wants from a piece of content, if it's branded content is some kind of emotional, positive emotional reaction. And obviously there's various technologies, like facial recognition and stuff, that allow you to measure uh, the emotional response to your videos. They're generally fine. Like, responses to videos are generally fine. But if you see, like, I've seen, like, real consumers react to augmented reality and, like, something popping up in, you know, like a dinosaur popping up, um in the real world via their phone and actually the level of emotional response you get is like it's almost like ah, ah which so is how, so yeah
0: which is yeah I've seen that as well and I think that's no <laughs> no it's true it's, <laughs> it's what's, well that's what it yeah. does that's the cool that you go ooh ooh well, it's kind of like it's like it's a it's titillation, right? But yeah. is is that what's that really delivering for the brand, though? Like, yes, it's cool. <coughs> yes, it's way more interesting yeah. than working with influencers or you know email or yeah. any other channel. And for us, it's like super exciting. But yeah. What is that really delivering for the brand, other than that little which could come from anyone?
1: Well, it depends what you do, I suppose.
0: So, what are the good examples of?
1: branded AR so the industry I think that's <laughs> absolutely smashed it I think if they if they put more money into this they could also they, they could almost um uh prop up the entire AR industry is the beauty space okay. um because in beauty obviously it has like re- kind of tangible benefits because I remember years ago L'Oreal worked with Blipper oh god look at my nails they're awful um a
0: really <laughs> great podcast content
1: <laughs> <laughs> but they worked with Blipper so that you could try different uh, nail varnish colors on your nails um uh, I think L'Oreal have invested in they've just bought uh, they've just bought an AR company or someone called Face. yeah um obviously using AR you can put makeup on your face to see what it looks like you can change your hair color that's i mean that's a it's a no-brainer if you go to the this is exceptional if you go to the charlotte tilbury store in Covent garden they have as soon as you walk in i'm a massive fan of charlotte tilbury um because i think they just nail digital marketing across the board like a really decent modern brand um If you go into the Charlotte Tilbury store, there's a mirror as soon as you walk in and you look in the mirror and you can press like six different buttons and it shows you um, six different makeup looks on, on your face. And it looks so unbelievably realistic. And it doesn't put makeup artists out of business, but it's a really quick way to know which look is right for you before you start browsing. And it's such a good branded experience. Like that is why the store in Covent Garden is rammed constantly. So it's interesting. Do you to know Charlotte do you know the Charlotte Tilbury brand?
0: i I've met them in person.
1: You've met Charlotte Tilbury in person? Yeah, yeah Have she's
0: great. Yeah, she's great. No, the you know. <laughs> so I think it's interesting. Did you just call
1: me a melon because there's loads of I,
0: once again, your your knack for choosing podcast content is, is <laughs> absolutely remarkable. So the two things you mentioned that Link yeah. was really interested in is the fact that the the modern version of AR that's really successful is something like Snapchat filters, yeah. which is all based around your face. And yeah. the one direct use, or like actually almost linked purchase, yeah. is beauty and, and is the face. Is that it? Is that, <coughs> is, should we should brands be considering AR if there isn't some kind of direct benefit you can apply to the most important thing in anyone's kind of social? real estate which is their face
1: <laughs> I think they'll, for most brands there'll be let's discount finance I, I'm not entirely sure how the finance industry would use augmented reality um,
0: make your figures look better <laughs>
1: <They're just> like, <laughs> I saw you know what I saw an app which uses AR I was thinking you could hold it up to people I saw an app that uses AR that you hold up your phone to a crowd and it tells you what people are single. No way. Yes, I've used it. What's it called? Oh, shut up! You can't know. Well, Put your uh, phone for the, away. For the show notes. Yes. Um, it's part of my job. But you could you could hold it up and it could tell you what people were rich. <laughs>
0: Is this in Harry Potter? No, it's real. How does it work out who's single?
1: Because those They're people are also... They're still on their also... own at the bar, aren't they? <laughs> <You can't laughs> Crying. And... Like, it reads their faces, and it can tell. <laughs> <They're
0: still laughs> and pick out tears of shame. Um,
1: uh, oh, no, there's... it
0: picks out you, because you're the person interacting with the world by wafting a phone.
1: Wafting. Um, there's For most for most types of product. there's... Uh, there's going to be some kind of try before you buy element fashion i think even the area where it's um really exciting potentially exciting which is obviously and it's it's massive businesses in the pharmaceutical industry so the pharmaceutical industry obviously suffers from a horrible reputation problem everyone thinks that they're trying to diagnose children with ADHD to sell a shit ton of ritalin <laughs> i think there's a ne- there's a netflix documentary about that anyway um, The pharmaceutical industry could start to use AR to um, identify using someone's face, which often is um, the gateway to understanding how healthy someone is. Yeah. They could use AR to read someone's face to identify whether that person was suffering from liver problems or they were eating the one kind of food. Um, They weren't getting enough sleep, whatever. Um, And then they could potentially recommend pharmaceutical solutions based on that reading.
0: So what's the future for AR? What are we going to see in the next five years? What are you selling in currently? the you,
1: know. <laughs> you Starcom
0: clothes? No, you don't. That.
1: So, I,
0: like, where's it going to get to? Is it going to be glasses and everything's going to, you know, you're not going to have to hold your phone up? Or, right?
1: Well, you know, you know, you know what my solution is, which is the AR sheath.
0: The AR she's <laughs> Remind me.
1: People people this is this is where okay, so there's you know when you do futurology you have to scenario plan. Yeah. So you have like you, you have to provide various different possible futures. So one future could be in the in like twenty years photoshopping goes nuts and everybody is has this kind of sheath over them, which is the AR version of who they want to be.
0: Do you know, I, uh, a little bit in that direction, I, there's a hat you can buy. There's a hat that has a series of lights and stuff underneath the, what do you call that thing? The thing that sticks out, anyway, it's a hat. And what it can do is it can change the way that an image recognition camera sees your face to the point of which you can convince it you're someone else. Yeah, so it shines lights on, you know, it knows what an image rec- or a facial recognition camera would pick up <clears> and then shines the relevant things on your face. So I could I could pass myself as you by having this
1: weird hat on. Like Face Off, the f- the film. With,
0: yeah, with a with a hat
1: <laughs> <laughs> slightly
0: less. Um, so, so that's
1: <laughs> so that's one possible future. So <clears throat> our love for filters and photoshopping <laughs> goes nuts. And instead of plastic surgery, people just have this kind of AR filter around their bodies so that um, anyone only sees what exactly what you want them to see. I think, um, from a try-before-you-buy perspective, I think AR could be massive in online shopping. Because at the moment, you can try on makeup first, but if um, the technology becomes more sophisticated, I could try on shoes. I could try on clothes. But genuinely, have those clothes... Um, Matched with my body, my exact body shape to see if it fits or not. I think that's that's totally possible. I think another potential future is that it just becomes. Um, so AR has also been used for people um, who suffer from various different phobias, like arachnophobia, um, where the you put your phone over a surface and it shows loads of spiders, and you kind of practice all those like you know breathing techniques or whatever techniques it is to try and deal with that fear I think <clears throat> from a mental health perspective AR could have um, has wonderful potential um, you could almost imagine a future where you know how everyone I mean the world is always obsessed with food and the next food fad and what they should eat and at the moment charcoal is like the thing um, I can imagine a future in which AR is like I was saying before used to say so I read your face or you read your own face if you want and um, and it tells you exactly what food you need to eat. And Is that you need AR to drink? or
0: facial recognition?
1: It was kind of both. Because Snapchat, think about how Snapchat works. Yeah. It recognises your face in order to add that AR layer. So the two can't work. The two aren't mutually exclusive. They have to work together.
0: And So where do you stand on Microsoft HoloLens?
1: Been around for a while, hasn't it? And I think the... What was your experience of that? I've never used it I've just seen the videos and from what I gather it had most potential for the B2B space like designers and architects
0: yeah I I, where you
1: need to have like where it's hugely beneficial to have that additional layer of how things are going to you know things you design are going to look
0: yeah I I tried a few of the sort of entertainment things and it wasn't I I, unless it radically developed it the field of vision was very narrow
1: Oh. So
0: if you were like, looking at uh, a seat in front of you, like, if you kept your head very still, then it would work within like a, a very small bandwidth. But if you moved your head at all, the illusion would change. But to your point, <coughs> I thought it was really useful what they said. Say you're going around a building and you're doing some kind of safety procedure. You could like look at a window and then mark on that window virtually this window needs to be fixed or it's not safe and you go around and you can, so then the next person that comes around can go But well, has Uh-oh. this been fixed yes I do all that kind of stuff um, so back to one of your earlier points you said that um, when people talk about the future of things they're talking yes. about the future of the middle class yeah is there a future of augmented reality that is going to benefit not the people with the fancy smartphone devices that can handle the processing power required is there an augmented reality out there for someone who hasn't got the money to buy an iPhone 10?
1: Well, this is the thing, is that augmented reality is probably the most democratising of all technologies because everyone has a bloody iPhone. Like, if if there's one thing that, whether you're working class, middle class, whatever, if there's one thing that people will want, is it's a smartphone. Like, smartphone penetration is practically 100% in this country. Different in countries like the Philippines or Vietnam, where feature phones are still quite popular. Yeah. So, globally that may not apply but I think in countries like the UK the one thing that everybody will have is a smartphone
0: so just starting to wrap this up now so if uh, if
1: if
0: (laughs) we can carry on Um, uh, so if there was uh, a marketer who'd never done anything in, in AR and they're like do you know what actually this sounds really exciting relevant what would you suggest that they do as a first step
1: um an easy entry point is to partner with a publisher to um, experiment with augmented reality. So there's various publishers now, like the New York Times, <clears throat> have just launched an AR feature via their app, where you can work on like a content partnership, um, and whatever is in the content partnership, you can have some kind of AR. have an to example. It. Um. So if you were If I worked for a tourist board, like the most obvious one, if I worked for a tourist board, I could partner with the New York Times to uh, create some travel content and you could use the AR app to actually see the places that I was trying to promote. Right. In all of their kind of three dimensional glory
0: so find the publisher that has a relevant yeah. set of values to your brand uh, yeah. because they've already invested in the infrastructure and they need yeah. content and they're yeah. happy, happy to do a deal so reach out to them. what is technically possible on the platform and then that then becomes a brief yeah I oh, yes okay so
1: cool. there's loads of so like you said right at the beginning one of the biggest challenges is that you well more phones are becoming so the Galaxy Samsung Galaxy S9 is kind of AR ready and the latest iOS um is also so that all that's a barrier removed, but one of the biggest challenges is, it, is historically you did have to download an app, so that's why loads of publishers who have loads of people who've downloaded their apps are the safest option if you want to do something serious
0: and if people wanted to get in touch with you, how would they do that? <laughs>
1: Uh I could they could tweet me. Yeah? Yeah.
0: Well what's your Twitter handle?
1: It's at Kino eighty one. And like, the eighty one has no relevance whatsoever. Mm-hmm. It's just a number that I like.
0: And that's Kino with a K.
1: K It's not like chemoir.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> K E A N O eighty one. And, and if, the 81 is a number, it's not spelled out. <laughs>
0: Fantastic. <laughs> and if they wanted to read your book, what would be the best thing for them to do?
1: You can pre order it now. So if you go to unbound.com forward slash books forward slash gave hyphen zero, uh, <laughs> you can, you can pre order it. Right. Um, there's still time, I think. There's another two months where people can buy it and they can still get their name in the back of the book.
0: Am I in the back of the book? Yeah. Awesome. Um, and I think that is it. So thank you for sharing all your advice for people trying to get into the industry or your insight about how the industry works. Uh, it's. I've got to say this again, I think it's amazing that you have written your first book, getting it published, and you've got the second one on the way, and you're... Um, someone that uh, a lot of people in the industry look up to because I've been basically sending around my blurb about this podcast to try yeah. and get people the amount of people have come back and go oh Amy Keene she's amazing it's no like,
1: way it, it
0: crushes me to my soul that you were so much more successful than me anyway <laughs>
1: I'll, get, I'll get you back Unless one of these no. days <laughs> what a lovely way to end <laughs> um, <laughs>
0: is, I mean you've You've talked about uh, flies, grapes, the fire alarm, yeah. anything else? Any other bombshells you want to leave us with?
1: What do you think about augmented reality, Tom?
0: <clears throat> so now that I am no longer an agency person selling innovation as such, you start to see the innovations for what they were. Because as an innovation person, that is your currency in your lifeblood, to be able to sell and spot... Opportunities to sell in innovation because if clients aren't paying for quote unquote innovation projects, then we're not doing your job.
1: right? Yeah. that's pretty much the measure. <clears throat> yeah.
0: So you see the the positive and benefit and everything. So it's a chat boy like, oh my god, it could change everything uh, virtually. Oh my god, I just think what you could do. With it. Yeah. Whereas as soon as you step out of that world and that role, you just instantly default to kind of consumer skepticism yeah so where they are like um, well you've got to download an app and and this is gonna sound ridiculous but you've got to hold it up like you, you have to hold up your phone yeah in order to get the benefit of it which is there's a cost to doing that i mean it's not much of a cost but yeah. versus an experience you can get by just swiping with your thumb which is you know is the least amount of effort possible to en- pretty much enjoy 99.9% of the internet. Mm. It, AR needs to find a way to be as easy as a thumb swipe. And until it gets to that point, it's never going to go mass beyond it, the applications that it has. At yeah.
1: The also, the thing is, everyone everyone talks about Pokemon Go like it was such an unexpected hit. But Pokemon is like a 20-year franchise that's been on TV, that has plush toys, that's had like...
0: Yeah, it's, it's an interesting Like an entire... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And
1: probably... That's what it took. That entire bloody twenty massive...
0: years of investment in, 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 that, <laughs> yeah. in, that, in that media, yeah, yeah, to get to that point. So, I mean, I think that's the interesting thing about for me doing this podcast is is sitting on the other side of the coin and, like, for example, if you and I were the. Had heads of marketing for our brands. You know, would yeah. we leap into AR with like all of our budget? Of course you wouldn't. man
1: <laughs> You'd probably go well, seventy percent of the I see time. What, I'm going if to I was do this. doing maternity leave cover, <laughs> <and> I knew <laughs> that it was only for a short amount of time. I would. I'd be like, guys, let's put all of our budget budget into AR. <laughs> wow. Right.
0: Okay. So, so anyone who's thinking about employing Amy from, from, from Matt cover. <laughs> Right, I'm leaving it there. Thank you so much.
1: Thanks. Bye.